Praise the Lord, everyone. God bless you. Amen. Let's stand together and pray. Let's ask the Lord to bless us all, each and every one of us here this morning. Amen. Let's all pray together. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We thank you for the privilege to be in your house. Thank you, Lord, that we can come before the throne of grace here today. We ask you to bless us with the word. Bless us with the word of God to our hearts, our lives. And we thank you for your wonderful mercy and kindness to us in all things. Bless this congregation today. Bless our morning service. Be with us, God, in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Turn to your friend, neighbor next to you. Shake their hand. Greet them in Jesus' name. And we're glad to have all of our brethren back from Haiti. Amen. We've heard some quite, a, quite, quite some reports down there and all their activities. And, and uh, I'm thinking of a scripture that's found in Daniel chapter 11, I think it is, where it says they shall do exploits. <laughs> some of our brothers down there, they did some exploits this time down there. God bless them. I'm sure you'll hear more about that later, but anyhow, we're so glad that they're all back. And what a wonderful Bible quiz session for you who may have been here yesterday. Amen. Go ahead. Clap your head. A wonderful Bible, uh, Bible quiz sessions that we had here yesterday. And our kids are just right in there. I mean, in the middle of it. All of our kids, all different ages, all different groups, categories and everything. We're so proud of all of them. And the, their success, what they're doing, what they're learning. I think they're all studying the book of Acts this year. The older ones, uh, they study more of the book of Acts. The younger ones study uh, the lesser of the chapters. But they're all studying out of the book of Acts, and that's a great book to be studying. Amen. So we've heard some great things about that. I understand the auditorium was just packed. There's, what, 28 teams here from around the state? Uh, yesterday and they were quizzing quizzed all day long parking lot was full of cars and you had to come early to get a parking spot just about but god bless the work of god and god bless all of our children and young people we have a great group of young people in this church amen i uh i am teaching in the subject of daniel and i'm going to pick up where we left off yesterday i'm going to sort of review a little bit of real quick here just to let you know why we are where we are and uh, what we're looking at here. But uh, just to give you some, uh, some hindsight here of what we talked about last week and so forth. The uh, children of Israel, when they went into Canaan's land and the Lord told them, live for me and I'll bless you and so forth. And he said, if you don't, I'm going to someday, if you don't serve me and you do not keep my commandments, he said, I'll allow another country to come and overrun your country and you will be subject to them and you'll be in captivity to them. Now, he warned them that in both the book of Deuteronomy, also the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 28, Deuteronomy chapter 26. It, 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 it explains it in detail that the Lord said, this is what will happen to you. And of course, in time, it did happen that way. Uh, when Solomon was king, though Israel was at its zenith, in its greatness, its power, its glory, uh, its wealth, everything. Uh, and yet at that time, they begin to tolerate uh, heathenism and uh, idol worship, worshiping the God. A lot of it due to Solomon's uh, desire to have many wives and his wives 
being from heathen countries, therefore they had pagan gods. And they wanted their gods to be in Israel for them, for themselves. And so Solomon began to consent to that in his older years and old age. And consequently, Israel began to turn away from the Lord. Finally, God said, uh, because of that, when Solomon dies, I'm going to let Israel be divided. There's going to be a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And he took away the northern kingdom. In other words, Israel will be divided into two, two kingdoms. They will be sister nations. And uh, he said, if you do that, I'm going to take away the northern kingdom from Solomon's uh, heir, his, his son. And then uh, another man will rule it and so forth. And so this is the way it rocked along. So you had the northern kingdom called Israel, and you had the southern kingdom called Judah. This is where the word Jew comes from, Judah. And they both uh, sort of... they coexisted as sister nations for, uh, for a few hundred years and uh, for probably about two, 200 years. And then along the way, the northern kingdom continued to get worse and worse in, sin, in, in sinfulness. And the, the southern nations would do a little bit better once in a while and they'd have a good king and he would turn them around. But then another king would come along and he'd let them go back to their same old idol worship. And finally, the Lord said, okay, I'm going to deal with this. So what happened, I'm going to give you a map here. I'm just giving you sort of a rundown here, what we had uh, yes, last week, I mean. This is a uh, map of the Old Testament. It'll brighten up in a minute here. And uh, this is the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea here. This is Egypt down in here. And this is Palestine right in here. I got this arrow pointing to Jerusalem, which is right here. And if I could draw a red line right across here, it would separate the northern kingdom from the southern kingdom. Southern kingdom being here, northern kingdom being right in here. And this was Israel, this was Judah. And they existed as sister nations. And finally, the Lord said, it's enough. In 721, he allowed the Assyrians. The Assyrians' capital city was Nineveh here. And uh, they, are, they are the city between the Tigris, on the Tigris River, and also the Euphrates. This is supposed to be the beginning of civilization right in through here. And so he allowed these, these Assyrians to come down and they conquered all this land all around. He even conquered Egypt. And then they came back here and they conquered Israel, conquered Israel, took it over. They did not conquer Jerusalem because God interceded and protected, protected Judah, so that Judah was not conquered by the Assyrians. And then they went back and, uh, and they continued on, going on that way for a while. And later times, Babylon, which was down here, and they went up and conquered Nineveh, so that Babylon took over Nineveh's empire. And there was a guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king, and this was 115 years later, and he came over. They always traveled up the river and came down this way because this was all desert in here, so they stayed away from that. They traveled like this. They came down, and he came down, and he conquered Jerusalem, but he didn't destroy it. This was 606 B.C., 721 B.C. is whenever the northern kingdom was destroyed. 15, 115 years later, they destroyed. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar conquered the southern kingdom. And whenever he did, he took off one 
uh, one man from the throne put his brother on. He said, pay your taxes to me and behave yourself and do as you're told and everything will be fine. We'll just let you exist as your own nation. And they taxed him to death, of course. And uh, so they went, he went back. When he did, he took 10,000 choice young Jewish young people with him that he was going to cultivate and develop them into being leaders in his own country in Babylon. And uh, one of them was Daniel. And uh, the, uh, three of the others was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And another one, incidentally, was Mordecai, who was the uncle of Esther. Uh, he was one of them as well. But it doesn't mention about him in this particular part. It mentions him more about in the book of Esther. But anyhow, they were taken there, 10,000 of them there, and they, uh, they began to trust God. God favored them and so forth. And so they were over in Babylon. Now, last week we talked about in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar, which was uh, 605 B.C., and Daniel was probably around 17, 18 years old here at this point. And uh, there, was, there was a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. I won't go into detail to it. We talked about it. It's all recorded in the second chapter. A dream that he dreamed in which he saw this great image. Now, uh, the image uh, looked like this. I'm going to show you this picture here. This image looked like this. And, uh, and I showed this to you last week. I'm not going to spend a lot, a lot of time on this one. But what Daniel's interpretation that he got from God to give to the king, and when God gave Daniel the interpretation, he also gave him the dream. So he was able to go in and tell the king what he had dreamed and even why he had dreamed it, and then tell him the interpretation. So the king knew that the interpretation had to be right. Otherwise, how would Daniel even know what the dream was except God had showed it to him? And so he went on to tell him, and this is recorded in the second chapter of the book of Daniel. And this is the, re the reason we're talking about Daniel is because it's the beginning of prophecy. And it was the beginning of what's called the time of the Gentile. You and I are Gentiles. And so it involved the, the Gentile people. And from this time on, this is where it all started. He told Nebuchadnezzar, he said, you're the head of gold or Babylon is the head of gold. After you, there's going to be another empire that will rise. And that will be in the, the chest and the arms of the image was of silver. And that's going to be an inferior empire, but it'll rise after you. After that one will rise a third empire. Uh, the image had a belly and thighs of brass. Uh, and uh, after this empire there will be another empire that will rise and finally there will be a fourth empire that will rise and the legs was of iron and then down in the feet they were iron and clay and down in the toes and so this description is carried right on down into this area we talked to you last week about the second chapter of the book of Daniel if uh if you'll go there with me for just one minute uh, let me show you verse 34, if you'll go to Daniel 2.34. And uh, I don't want to lose you here because we're going to chapter 7 here in just a moment. But stay with me here on Daniel chapter 2. And I realize that we are dealing, we're going into some deep things here. But you are a very advanced Bible class, I'm aware of that too. So you stay with me and keep your Bible handy. And we've got some great things that we're going to share with you here in the next several weeks here in talking about this. 
So if you look at verse 34, uh, this is what, this is 234 of Daniel. And he says here, thou sawest, this is what Daniel told the king that he saw. Thou sawest uh, till that a stone was cut out without hands. Now he said, after you saw this image and all of this was all iron legs and so forth, there was a stone cut out of a mountain. Let's just suppose there's a stone over here and a mountain over here and a stone cut out without hand and the stone whacked this image on the feet down here, right down here on the feet. He just whacked this image. And so here's what he's to say. This is what you saw, King. All of this big image. And then at the end of this image of the dream, he says here in verse 34, thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon the feet and that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the brass, uh, the iron, the clay, and the clay down here, and then the brass, as it goes on to say, the silver and the gold, it goes on to say here, all broken to pieces together, okay? And became like the shaft of the summer threshing floor, and the wind carried them all away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and fill the whole earth. Now, later on, Daniel says, I'll tell you now the interpretation. He goes on to say, thou art the head of gold, and these are nations that will rise and fall, and come. they'll follow one behind the other. There'll be empires that will rise and fall until he gets down there, and he said, at the very end of this period of time, the period of this time, and I'm picking up at verse 45. This is 245 here of Daniel. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God of heaven made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof is sure. And then the Bible says in verse 48, then the king made Daniel a great man. He, he really exalted him, put him up on a high level, and then Daniel says, if you don't mind, old king, I've got three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I always like this. He says, would you give them a nice position, too, in the kingdom? He says, yeah, I will, for your sake. So anyhow, it, it all ended well. Now, for 50 years, there was no more dreams, no more visions, nothing. Uh, the children of Israel were in captivity. I will tell you what happened in that 50 years. In that 50-year period of time, in, uh, in 599, which was uh, 606, seven years later, Nebuchadnezzar went back to Babylon, went back to Israel, rather, to Jerusalem, and took that king off and put a new one on. And he took some more of the young people out of Israel. One of them was Ezekiel. He took them back to Babylon with him. Uh, finally, that king that had taken that brother he acted up and carried on, and Nebuchadnezzar got mad at him. And so in 588 B.C., all of this is Daniel is still living in Babylon with his friends. No more visions, no more things coming their way. But in 588 B.C., uh, Nebuchadnezzar was really mad this time. Three strikes and you're out type thing. He went back to Jerusalem, and this time he completely destroyed the city and destroyed the temple of God, destroyed it. 
and he burned everything to the ground and it was just completely, and he hauled off a bunch of them captive. He scattered them around different places and took a lot of them back to Babylon and uh, put them on farms and made them workers and so forth. And that's where you read a lot of Psalms where it says, uh, you, I've, we've hung our harps on willows. We no longer sing about the greatness and the goodness of God. We're in a strange land and so forth. And that's where all that has come in in the book of Psalms. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is because that Daniel received no more visions. And for 50 years, he never received it. He was 17 years old when he interpreted this. And it was when he was 67 years old, Nebuchadnezzar had died. And Nebuchadnezzar's son had taken over. And then the son had died. He'd only lived for a few, few, uh, for a few uh, years, I think it is, a year or so. He died, and then his brother took over the throne in Babylon. And then he died, and then his son took over, and his name was Belshazzar. And Belshazzar was a little bit of whacked-out type guy. He was a cocky fella and so forth, and he became the king. And the Bible says in chapter 7, so I'm going to move to chapter 7 very quickly here with you. Now, remember, this is 50 years that Daniel had a vision whenever in the first year of Belshazzar. Look at 7.1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. And uh, it says here, Daniel had a dream <clears throat> and visions of his head upon his bed. And then it goes into this. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this one because this is the first time Daniel actually had a vision except to understand the interpretation of the image that he saw here. And so then he had this, he had this vision. Uh, I had, a guy, I had a guy one time. Now, this is 50 years later. Daniel has his dream. Uh, and he has some more visitations after that, and things begin to happen. But I had a guy one time said to me, Brother Myers, I dreamed this dream, and I blah, 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 blah. And he describes it to me and everything. What do you think the interpretation of it is? I said, didn't you tell me the other day that you always go down after church, down to the barbecue place and eat barbecue ribs? And, yeah, he said. I said, I think you ought to lay off them barbecued ribs. <laughs> he thinks he's dreaming all these dreams, you know, and that God's given him, you know, given him, and he wants me to give the interpretation. And I said, I, I think you ought to lay off them, them barbecued ribs before you go to bed at night. <laughs> I mean, you know, some people dream dreams, and when you turn around, they got a, they got a dream they've dreamed, and God's showing them stuff, you know. I'm just letting you know that Daniel went 50 years without one after he had, and yet he is the, probably the father prophecy in the sense of where it all began. And this is where the prophecy began in the Old Testament that would involve you and I as Gentiles more than anything else. And this is why we want to talk about it because this period of time of the, of the head to the toes is called and was first called by Jesus this in Luke 21, 24. He said this was to be called the time of the Gentiles. Later, Paul would refer to it in Romans chapter 11 and verse 25. He would also call it the times of the Gentiles. So this was the time of the Gentiles. And during this entire time of this time, however long it would last, however long this period of time would last, Israel would always be subject to a Gentile power. They would never, and I've talked to you about this last week. They would never be independent. They'll always be subject to another Gentile power. Even though they don't want to be, they, they try not to be, 
but they are and they will be until the Lord finally establishes them as a nation that is totally independent and is going to be with God's help. And that's all prophesied over here in the book of Revelation as well and in, in several places in the Bible, uh, some of the, the Old Testament prophecy books. Now, I want, to, want you to go with me to the seventh chapter, and I want to talk to you about the seventh chapter here of, uh, of, uh, of Daniel. Uh, in order to understand uh, this, let me show you what Daniel saw in chapter 7. Let me put this chart up here. I don't mean anything to you right now, but just hang in here with me. Everybody still with me? All right. Now look at chapter 7. I'm going to read that first verse again. Uh, in the second verse, down through three. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream of visions and head, uh, of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea. The great sea is the Mediterranean Sea. And the four and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. Now look at verse four. I'm not going to read all this, just the first line. Verse four, the first was like a lion. He goes on to describe the lion. That's why when you see it with the wings and things like that, that's what it describes. I'm not going to go into detail on that. Each one of these descriptions has a symbolic meaning concerning that nation. But it said that would be a lion. Look at verse five. And behold, another beast, uh, a second like a bear. And then this is the bear that it shows here. And then it shows, it says here in verse 7, and after that I saw the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast. I'm sorry, the sixth verse. After this I beheld, and lo, another beast like a leopard. So the leopard was this one, had four wings on it. Uh, and he goes on to say here, finally in verse 7, after this, I saw in the night vision, behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. Look, look how it describes this beast. It does not tell you what it looks like. It just said he's dreadful, terrible, strong exceedingly, and had great iron teeth. Compare that with the iron legs of that fourth kingdom of the image that he saw. What the Lord was actually showing Daniel was the same world empires that would rise and fall, now in the form of beasts instead of in the form of an image that Nebuchadnezzar had seen. And he goes on to say here, strong exceedingly had great iron teeth, and it devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse one from it was diverse from the beasts that were before it. In other words, it was just different and it had ten horns. And, of course, in the image, the, the legs had ten toes and so forth. So there is a, this is a sort of a, these are all just an artist's rendition here of what it may have looked like. This is a, the image, the last one with the ten horns and so forth. So each one of this represents Babylon. This represents uh, the media Persian Empire that would follow Babylon, conquer Babylon, which it did. In fact, that happened in, when Daniel was still living. And then the Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great that would conquer the Media Persian Empire. All this is history that did happen. This is all recorded before, but it's all happened now and history is so exact 
with the Bible. This is the amazing part about it. And Alexander the Great conquered it. And even the Bible prophesies in the Bible here uh, that Alexander the Great would, after he conquered the media Persians, would not live long. It even prophesies it, and that his kingdom would be divided into four parts, and that did happen. They were divided among his four generals. And when Alexander the Great went to, uh, went to Jerusalem to take Jerusalem and destroy the city, uh, and when he was conquering all the world, those priests went out and met him. This is all recorded in Josephus. And those uh, Jewish priests went out and met him. And they had been praying, and the Lord spoke to their heart and said, go out in your priestly garbs. And they went out of the city and met Alexander the Great with his huge army. I mean, I'm talking about 100,000 men. And he went out and met these men, and Alexander the Great was at the head of this group and everything. And when he went out, Alexander the Great looked at them, got down off of his horse, and went over and knelt down before them. And his general's mouths fell open. This is the city we're going to destroy. These people come out of the city. And Alexander the Great gets off and bows down to them. And then Alexander the Great says to these priests, I will not hurt you or your city. We will treat you very kindly and very respectfully. Neither will my men, you know, touch your city or do anything to it. So they brought him on into the city of Jerusalem. And in time, they showed Alexander the Great where it was prophesied he would come. And he also understood what would happen to himself. Alexander the Great conquered the media Persian Empire when he was, when he was uh, 30 years old. He died at the age of 33. Died at the age of 33. He only lived three years. Uh, so anyhow, 323 A.D. is when he died. And so anyhow, this all happened, and then the kingdom was divided into four parts, and that's quite a study in itself. And that goes into the eighth chapter of Daniel quite a bit. It's amazing to me how that God showed this to Daniel a hundred or two hundred years before they begin to happen. And when it began to happen, it was right on target, just like God showed Daniel and just like he had written it down. And I'm telling you folks, you never go wrong by understanding the word of the Lord. I want to show you some, uh, some comparisons here. Uh, in this uh, seventh chapter here of, of, of the book of Daniel, I want you to notice here uh, where it says about the fourth beast, look at verse 7. And after that, I saw the night vision, behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong, exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth, great iron teeth, and it devoured and uh, break in pieces, break in pieces. And that's very interesting because when you go back over to chapter 2 and it talked about the legs, uh, I'm reading here verse 40 uh, in chapter 2, it says, and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron for as much as, as iron breaketh in pieces. Okay, notice that. And then it goes on to say in verse, in verse 40 in chapter, four, in chapter 2 and verse 40. And, and, and subdueth all things and as iron that breaketh all these things shall it break in pieces and bruise. Twice it mentions that in verse 40. And so when you're over in Daniel chapter 7, it mentions here that it shall break in pieces and then also over in the 23rd verse of that same seventh chapter. I'm sure in four places it says that. Two in the second chapter, two in the seventh chapter. Thus he said the fourth beast, this is 723. Thus he said the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread down and break it in pieces. All right, so this fourth kingdom is going to be 
a very, very dreadful, uh, very dreadful empire. It never describes in chapter 7 of Daniel what the beast looks like. It just said he's dreadful, terrible, and so forth. It said he had 10 horns. Now, I want you to go with me to Revelations chapter 13 for a moment. Revelations 13. And what this really is showing us is that it goes right on down to the Antichrist. Right down, this kingdom goes down to the Antichrist. Look in the Revelations 13 with me. This is John the Revelator now. And this is uh, hundreds of years later. This is uh, when John, this is about 96 A.D., and uh, John the Revelator is on the Isle of Patmos, and God's giving him the revelation of the book of, Reve of, the book of Revelation. And in, in chapter 13, everybody still with me? <laughs> is this clear as mud? <laughs> Are you still with me? I mean, I'm trying to make it real clear. All right. All right, 13. And he says here in Revelation 13, 1, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. Notice that, a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns. Notice the ten horns here coincides with the ten horns that's found about the dreadful beast over here in, Revel in Daniel chapter 7. He said, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns were ten crowns, upon his heads the names of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard. Oh, that's interesting. So this beast that's in Revelations, Daniel 7 doesn't give a description. It just says it's dreadful. This fourth beast is dreadful. But over here in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, 13, it describes this dreadful beast. It says that it has, uh, and I'm going to read it again here, verse 2, 13, 2. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet had the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. This one. And the dragon gave him his power and the seat and great authority. <clears throat> and, uh, and so it goes on to describe this beast that comes up out of the sea. Now, another interesting thing about it is that in, the, uh, in this seventh chapter here, it talks about a little horn. Now, stay with me. I'm going back to Daniel 7 now. Look at, uh, look at verse 7 again, 7-7. Seven, seven. Dreadful, fourth beast, dreadful, terrible, strong, exceedingly. And it had ten horns. Everybody with me on that? And then it says in verse 8, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. Now, this is the first time in the Bible that the Antichrist is mentioned. He's, talked, he's spoken of in the book of Daniel as the little horn. Later on, he would be referred to by Jesus as that man of sin, and also by Paul as that man of sin and the son of perdition. He'd be spoken of by John in his epistles as the Antichrist. And then he'd be spoken of in the book of Revelation as the beast. So forth. So this is that guy that's coming at the end of the world, and he's going to wrap up this kingdom, this final end time of this Gentile period of time. And folks, that is not here yet, but that is coming here during this what's called the tribulation period that's coming on the earth. The Antichrist will come to pass. 
I'm going to talk to you a little bit about it. But anyhow, it goes on to say here that he had eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. Now, when I go back over to Revelation 13, when it talks about the beast coming up out of the sea and, and so forth and had a great authority, it goes on to say, uh, uh, verse 5, and there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things. Same words. Same words in Revelations 13 that describes the Antichrist as we see over here in Daniel describing the little horn in chapter 7. And if you stayed in the book of thir chapter 13 in the book of Daniel, it goes right on down to the end and it just says here at the very last verse of chapter 13, here is wisdom, let him that hath understand count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man and his number is 666. Okay, so I'm just trying to point out to you here how the Bible all links together. And so Daniel was talking about the Antichrist way back over here. And he was saying that this Antichrist come, he had a mouth that would speak very great things and the book of Revelation says the same thing. It also speaks over here in Daniel chapter seven where it talks about the little horn. It says that he has a mouth, speaks great things and he blasphemes, blasphemes. Uh, over here in 13, Revelation 13, it says here uh, in 13.6, and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme the name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. So this Antichrist is going to be very much an anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Christian, anti-anything but himself. And he will exalt himself and so forth and, and lift himself up. Now, there's one other element I want to talk to you about here, and I'm going back to Daniel chapter 7. We're talking about this last beast here, and it's actually the same thing as, as this uh, image here, the feet. And we talked about the feet. We talked about how the, the clay, the Bible says in chapter 2, the clay and the, the iron and the clay mixed together had the strength of the iron, but it did not cleave together. And there would be commotions, and there would be there would be turmoil. And in the last days, folks, you're going to have that. You're going to have commotions. You're going to have wars. You're going to have turmoil. You're going to have confusion. You're going to have all of this because nations will try to come together. They said when they cry peace, peace, then sudden destruction. And what we are having today in the world is an effort to try to bring peace to the world. But the peace is not going to last. It doesn't stick. Do you understand what we're saying here? That was prophesied way over here in the book, in the Bible, in the second chapter. That's why that you're going to continue to see that. Troubles here, you think, oh, well, everything's smooth out, everybody's in the army. Bango, there's a, there's a big break, there's a big shift, there's, a, there's, there's madness, there's fighting, and, and it'll, it's all over the world. It's everywhere. It's in Europe, it's in America, it's in South America, it's over in the Middle East and everything. And the Bible said, let not your heart be troubled, <laughs> for these things must come to pass. In other words, folks, when you see all these things go and come about, you just say, Jesus, I love you. We know that it's all in the Bible, it's in the word of God. We thank you for it, God. And we walk with you and we trust you. You may be honest with you, I don't even look at the news anymore. I'm, I, I get, I get, it's just wrangle, wrangle. I see all kind of zeros. Okay, God bless you. I don't look at those news anymore. It's just, just a bunch of yakety, 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 yak stuff. It goes on and on. I mean, if you want to, it's fine. I don't have no problem with it. 
everything. In fact, there's hardly anything on TV worth looking at anymore, anyhow, anything, you know. So they learn to play Scrabble or something, you know. <laughs> play with your spouse or a friend or something, just play Scrabble. God bless you. We love you. We love you. But God is telling the church, you know, don't worry. Don't be afraid because he's in charge of everything. Now, I'm going to take you one more level here because when the Antichrist comes, he will, per he will persecute the righteous people. It's brought out in Daniel chapter 7. I'm going to show you that in the word of God. Uh, let me see if I can pick up on it here. The, I'm going to Daniel uh, chapter 7 and 19. Let's see here. I'm going to read 20 and, and 21. I'm sorry. This is 20 and 21 of Daniel 7. And of the ten horns and, and, and were in his head and of the others that came up uh, before whom three fell, even that one that had eyes that and a mouth that spake very great things and whose look was more stout than his fellows. The Antichrist will have a, a look about him that he can look men down. He'll be able to look them down. It's right here. He'll be more stout than his fellows. And uh, it says, verse 21, I beheld in the same horn, that's that little horn, made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Everybody see that? He made war. Until, verse 22, until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. And then I'm going to pick up in verse 25. And he spake great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. They shall be given into his hand until a time and times and dividing of a time. If you want to write in your Bible there, three and a half years. A time is one year, times S is two years, and the dividing of a time is a half a year. And this is very, this is recorded in Daniel about three times, in the book of Revelation about four times. And it's recorded also in the book of Daniel in chapter 9, where it speaks about the seven-year period. So this is the latter part of the seven-year period. It's called the three and a half years, and it's first mentioned here in Daniel chapter 7 at least. It talks about it as a time, times, and the dividing of a time. But the judgment shall sit, they shall, take, they shall take away his dominion, this is the Antichrist now, to consume and to destroy and it, uh, it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole earth shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. And so in the end, God's kingdom will reign. God's kingdom will reign. Now, that's what you have in the book of Revelation. You have this recorded in, in Daniel chapter 2. You have it recorded in, Jap in Daniel chapter 7, which is, a, which is another presentation that God gave in the form of beast instead of the form of an, an image like he did Nebuchadnezzar. And then over in the book of Revelation, that's all confirmed when he talks about the coming of the Antichrist and how he will do his thing, and then he will do it for three and a half years. And... Uh, and so then it goes on with the book of Daniel and where Daniel is, is spoken to by, uh, by Gabriel, the angel, comes and visits him, gives him the interpretation of these things, tells him what's going to come to pass. In the 11th chapter of the book of Daniel, it describes the Antichrist. There's almost a half a chapter that describes the Antichrist, what he'll be like, what he will do, how he will act, uh, all the things about him so that you and I can get some kind of an idea of what the Antichrist is like. And let me just say this. 
the Antichrist comes at the very end of this whole thing, this time of the Gentiles. He comes in the toes. And that means that he hasn't come yet. And it comes at the end of this times of the Gentiles. The times of the Gentiles is twofold. One is that Israel will always be subject to a Gentile power until the very end. The very end, God is going to raise Israel up and she'll be the greatest nation on the face of the earth. And I can show you in scripture, all through the scriptures where it's prophesied that. Uh, another thing about the times of the Gentiles, it would be the time in which God will also open the door of salvation to the Gentiles. And that would happen, of course, when Jesus came. And when Jesus came, he came to the Jews first. And after the Jews rejected him, then the Lord said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, he that believeth and is baptized should be saved. And he that believeth not should be damned and so forth. You know, you know the scriptures, Matthew 28, 19, Mark 16, 18, on and on. Uh, it's all through the latter part of all the gospel books that the Lord said, now you go among the Gentiles. That's why the Lord showed Peter that, the, you know, the sheets coming down and says, slay and eat. And he said, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything that's unclean. The Lord said, don't call anything unclean. Everything I've made is clean and everything. And then the Lord showed him that he was going to give the Holy Ghost to the Gentiles as well. Cornelius, the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, you know the story and everything. And so from that time on, they understood that the Gentiles then would begin to be saved. And when Paul went out, Paul had that understanding very early on because God said, I'm making you the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul had an understanding of the fulfillment of the law and how God was going to use it for the Gentiles. And so Paul went forth preaching the gospel to the Gentiles and the Gentile period and the Gentile salvation would be given, praise God, to all of us who would believe on the Lord. You believe and in believing you repent and baptize. Believing uh, b believing involves us repenting. If you, don't, if you don't believe, you won't repent. And if you don't believe, you won't get baptized. But if you do believe, you will get baptized because he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It doesn't say he that believeth and is not baptized shall be saved. It says he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So baptism is part of the believing act and everything and walking with God and keeping his commandments and all that's part of the believing act. It's the belie he that believeth means continue to believe. So I'm just pointing out to you here today that God has opened this door up to us all Gentiles. So while it is a time that Israel would be scattered in all the world as they were in 70 AD, described in, in, uh, in Luke 21 extensively, they'll be scattered throughout all the world until the Lord says it's time for the time of the end of the Gentile empire to be wrapped up. And the time of the Gentiles and its wrap-up will take place in chapter 11 of the book of Revelation. And I can show you that plain as, as a nose on your face. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the book of Revelation starting next week. The book of Daniel will take us into that. When you read the last few verses of the book of Daniel, chapter, Daniel chapter 11, and, it, and here's what, I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to close out here. Look at the last few verses here. Of Daniel chapter 12, I said 11, I meant 12. And here's what it says. Daniel was trying to figure this out. He said, tell the angel, angel, tell me, what does this mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? What does this mean? And so finally the angel says this to him. He says, now from the time that the daily sacrifice should be taken away and the abomination that make it desolate set up, that should be 1,290 days. That's the three and a half years, incidentally. 
Uh, Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. And then he says in verse 13, go, but go thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of thy days. And in one place early on, he told Daniel, seal up the words. In other words, seal up the book. That's all I'm going to tell you, Daniel. I've told you all I'm going to tell you. And uh, when you look over in the 10th chapter of the book of Revelation, it says that when the seventh trumpet shall be sounded, trumpet, I think it is, when the trumpet, trumpet is sounded, then the revelation is going to be revealed. And when you go into chapter 11 of the book of Revelation, that's when suddenly the three and a half years kicks in again. And the Lord said, for three and a half years now, no more Gentiles are saved. It's going to be just the Jews. And it's God preparing the Jews for the end time. And they are the saints that will be persecuted by the Antichrist. The Antichrist will try to, the Antichrist and his regime will be like, will be like Nazism in World War II was in Europe. Uh, this is going to be worldwide. But God will have his hand on his people because the Jews will turn back to Jesus Christ. I can show you that in Zechariah chapter 12. I can show you that extensively where the Jews will turn back to Jesus and they'll repent and they'll call on God and they'll cry and God will give them that spirit of grace. Why? Because you and I will have already been taken up to heaven, raptured away. That all happens in the beginning of the book of Revelation before chapter 6. I can show you that in scripture as well. Oh, aren't you glad for God's great love, folks? If you walk with God and you serve the Lord and you're faithful to the Lord, one of these days you'll hear the trumpet. The trumpet's going to sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet them together in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And God has, listen, if, if life in this world can be so good, you know, and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good, sometimes it's rough and all that, but if life in this world could be so good, everything, how much more has God got prepared for people on the, uh, in the life yet to come? This is just where you change clothes. This is our dressing room, praise the Lord. The real life is forever on the other side or in eternity with the Lord. I say on the other side, it's on the other side of Jordan, as we call it. Don't you love God? I love, I love his way, his truth, his salvation. Let's stand and give our praise to God and let's lift our hands and just worship him right now. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for salvation and the gospel. What a great and wonderful friend you are to us all, Lord. You love every one of us individually. Lord, thank you for your love, your grace, your goodness, and your kindness, your mercy to us, God. We don't deserve anything from you, Lord, but by your grace you have given it to us. And we praise you for it, God, and we thank you. In the precious and lovely name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.